And now it's time for the Sports Report. Now here's your host, Tarek Ansarek. And welcome to the Sports Report. I am Tarek Ansari. Thanks so much for joining us here. We're recording this on a Saturday, but if you're listening to this on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it be, we thank you so much for joining us right here. We got a lot to talk about today. We're going to start about talking. We're that. We're going to start. I'm so excited. I can't even speak right now. <laughs> you got to love these shows. I'm telling you. We're going to start by talking about the conference championships. We're going to look into some MLB free agents. And, uh, well, we'll get into uh, a mailbag that is also uh, rapid fire today. We'll also take a, a dive into uh, a surprise list of retired players in honor of Luke Keekley, who had a surprise in retirement about a week and a half ago. So let's dive right into it. Again, thanks so much for joining us. And if this is your first time, then tell your friends, because the Sports Report, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere. I mean, you could probably walk down the street and see me somewhere. If you live in Roseville, California, you probably do because that's where I live right now. But tell your friends it's some good stuff, sports report. But let's get right into it. I gotta, you know, walk the walk, not just talk the talk here. We're gonna talk about the conference championships on Sunday. Oh my goodness, these were two fascinating games. Not to say they were terribly close in the end, although the Titans Chiefs game ended up being a little closer in the fourth quarter. But you know what? I'll, I'll give those two games this. I really, you know, many analysts had their doubts about if the home, if the teams favored, like the Chiefs and the 49ers, could get it done on a big stage. And you know what the Chiefs had proved in the past? They they had choked in the playoffs. Andy Reid had, did not have a good history in the playoffs in spots like these, even when they're favored. The 49ers haven't really been here before. This is their first year in that reg, uh, regimen of, uh, of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. It's the first time they've really been there so they got business done though let's start out with the AFC championship Titans and the Chiefs I gotta tell you what the Titans you know what it was just like Houston a smaller version of what Houston did to Kansas City Titans had a 10-0 lead they later led 17-7 and really it looked like okay this is going to be a good game Tennessee's looking pretty good but I'm telling you what that Chiefs defense that looked really just undisciplined in the first half and still made some mistakes in the second half. They really buckled down, especially Tyron Matthew. Oh my goodness, the Honey Badger really don't care. He is something else. That Chiefs defense really put in a, a solid, solid clean slate in the second half. Uh, and after the Titans took a 17-2-7 lead, the Chiefs actually outscored the Titans 28-7, to the only touchdown given up in the fourth quarter by that Chiefs defense that really a lot of analysts and pundits have said is their weakness, that that defense, but they have improved so much from last year, and that, that safety help, it's it's big time. They're doing a great job. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, what what can I say that hasn't been said about him? He is amazing to watch. That run he had against the Titans, let's be fair for a second, I think people are starting to go, oh my gosh, it's one of the greatest runs by a quarterback all time. Okay, here's the deal. Yeah, it's a, it's a great run. There is no doubt about that. However, that is some terrible tackling. That is some awful tackling. Are you kidding me? This is not two-hand touch, Tennessee. I get you're not trying to hurt the quarterback, but you got to tackle him, you know? Tapping him on the shoulder is not going to throw him down to the ground. He's Mahomes. He's a fairly big quarterback. With that being said, Patrick Mahomes, that's a, a gritty effort. A lot of quarterbacks would just run out of bounds, take the two-yard gang, and, uh, you know, 
maybe be a little more conservative. Worst case scenario, we get the field goal. But no, Mahomes is on a mission, and I like that. That's gutsy, but it paid off because he thought if he had taken the run, the Titans, the Titans weren't going to target him, and they did not, which is a, almost a way of saying good sportsmanship, but Tennessee, you got to tackle. I get you're not supposed to hit the quarterback, and there's a fear with that, but you've got to tackle. You've got to wrap up. You can't just you know tug, push, go for the, I don't know. It's just That's got to be a case where, at the worst, You've got to get him down at the five. Like he's twisting and turning and getting getting to the goal line. Like that can't happen. That defense that shut down Baltimore and New England took a took a play off there. Like come on, Derrick Henry. I wouldn't say he was shut down, but compared to the last two games, he was much quieter. Frank Clark came out and said he's not hard to tackle. He's Frank Clark's a liar. He is hard to tackle, but they didn't make it look terribly hard. So I'll, I'll give Clark some credit. He did. He did, he and the 10 other defenders on that Chiefs defense did a good job in holding Henry in check. Sammy Watkins had a big day, seven receptions, 114 yards, and a touchdown. And you know what? He's not even the featured wide receiver, not even the featured receiver in that core. I mean, you've got Nicole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, then Travis Kelsey. So Watkins is like number four. And he is, I mean, from his days in Buffalo, I mean, he is... He is one heck of a receiver. And I should mention the Rams, too. There are games where Sammy Watkins is completely quiet, and then there are some games where Sammy Watkins just goes nuts, and he looks like the best receiver in the NFL. And he looked like that against the Titans. He does this all all the time. And if he can do that against the 49ers uh, in a week, oh, boy, San Francisco's going to have some issues. Very impressive showing by Kansas City, and they'll be in Miami next Sunday, which... Reminder, next Saturday we'll have a full Super Bowl preview. We'll have a few guests to talk about the Chiefs and the 49ers, get some predictions in. And you know what? It's going to be a great one. We're going to save a lot of that material for next week, but we'll mention it a little bit today. You know, you can't go can't go without mentioning what should be a great matchup. A lot of red, too. My gosh. Hmm. Other game, Green Bay Packers, San Francisco 49ers. You know, I, uh, I, got, I, I keep bias out of it. Personally, I am a 49er fan, but I you got to be professional. You got to be fair with a lot of things. But even I have to say, I did not appreciate the fact that the national media was coming out and saying Jimmy Garoppolo isn't ready. You know he's gonna he's not gonna perform against that Packers defense. Zedarius Smith's gonna get to him. I think Mike Florio said he's less he's more likely to pee his pants or something like that. Are you are you kidding me? You get paid. To go on the air and say he has more, he's gonna pee his pants. Well, you know, guess what? He's a he. Look at his record. What is he like? Twenty three and five. And don't give me the oh well, he was with the Patriots. Yeah, he was two and zero with the Patriots. He played two games. He was five and zero two years ago on a awful, awful 49ers team. Now they were a disciplined 49ers team, but they were awful. He is not the reason why the 49ers are good. He's one of the reasons. But he is not the kind of quarterback that you're going to put out there and really feel questionable about. Really. I mean, the disrespect is incredible. But you know what? In a way, it's better for the 49ers. It fuels their fire. Aaron Rodgers, they keep pushing their narrative, you know, hey, Aaron Rodgers... You know what? He the Niners should have taken him in 2005. Okay, we've heard that before, and we're gonna hear it again, and hear it again, and hear it again. Alex Smith got taken over him. It was a bad pick. Okay, let's move on. 
Let's see what happens here today. And what happened was the Packers defense did not know how to stop the 49ers. They came prepared to stop the pass. They thought they were prepared to stop the run. They did not. They did not. They looked awful. They couldn't tackle. They couldn't even get penetration on the line. We all talk about Garoppolo. You know, he didn't pass the ball that much. But when he did, I mean, he had time. He got a few plays at Debo Samuel. He Did he get sacked at all? Maybe once. That Packers defense just looked like they were... It looked like a non-playoff team going up against a playoff team, which is interesting because it was the NFC Championship. But that was the level the Niners were playing on. Raheem Mostert, that's a great story, by the way. Cut by seven teams. Seven teams! Latches on with the 49ers in 2016. Plays a few snaps. 2017 doesn't really do much outside of special teams. 2018, he had a few good games. He had a really nice one in, in Green Bay on Monday night. So they knew about him. They should have known he came out on Monday Night Football and had a great performance. They should have known last year. He met, he, you know, he's a good freaking running back. Let's wrap him up. Let's try to, you know, have a game plan set for him running. They, I mean, they gave up over 220 rushing yards. This is an NFC Championship game, and you're giving up 200-plus rushing yards to one player? Get out of here. Frauds. I called them frauds going into the playoffs. And you know what? They look like frauds. They didn't look like that against Seattle, but they look like frauds in San Francisco. Aaron Rodgers made some mistakes. He had a better second half. He had a really, a really nice throw down the field. A few nice ones. He had one to Jimmy Graham. I think he had an, another one to Devontae Adams. Or Adams did. How about that? He beat Richard Sherman in coverage. And the Packers were able to score 20 points in the second half. I believe it was three touchdowns and missed extra point. But the 49ers just, I mean, they were up 27-0 at halftime. All they had to do was you know, score a few times and just put it away. So it's San Francisco in the Super Bowl for the first time since 2013. Seems like forever ago because everything really has changed since then. There's only one player on that 49ers team that went to the Super Bowl seven years ago that remains on this one. His name is Joe Staley. It's a left tackle for the Niners. Been a staple of this organization for, oh my, it's going on 14, 13, 14 years now. It's incredible. He is a warrior. So Niners Chiefs in the Super Bowl should be a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, we're going to switch gears here. Let's move into Major League Baseball for a second because we're getting closer and closer. A lot of teams are having their fan fests right now. Now, what is a fan fest? Well, it's basically when the players come out and do a little, a little gathering of the fans, get things excited for the upcoming season. The A's are having theirs today. I believe the Giants are having theirs next week, if I'm right, but I'll have to double-check. We're broadcasting this in Northern California, so that's what a lot of folks around here get excited about. The Astros Fan Fest was pretty cool. They actually made sure they had extra trash cans for fans there. Okay, I'm sorry. That was, that was, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, Astros fans. I know that was a cheap shot, but you know what? It's it's all good because, uh, uh, you know, yeah, you deserve it. Um, <clears throat> Anyway. We're going to talk about the best free agents left remaining in baseball. And you're probably thinking, wait, wait a minute. Isn't spring training starting in a few weeks? Why are we still talking about free agents? Well, last couple of years, I've noticed a trend in, and I think many listeners get this too, a lot of free agents are signing towards the end of this period, even into spring training, almost into the season. 
We saw this with Dallas Keuchel last year uh, with the A's a few years back. Jonathan Lucroy signed, I think, a few weeks after spring training. Uh, teams tend to like wait it out, and that's when they believe the price gets lower. Whether that's true or not, that's up to up to your evaluation. But there's still quite a few good free agent players out there, and we're going to go over a few of them right here. And we're going to start uh, position by by position here. And this is as of Saturday, January 25th. So if tonight half these players are signed, please don't look at me like I'm an idiot. But maybe, hey, maybe some of the teams are listening to me and thinking, oh, wow, he's, well, we should give him a call, call his agent. But anyway, let's start out with catchers. Russell Martin, 37-year-old Russell Martin. He is unsigned. His war from last year, 1.2. Interesting case there. Russell Martin has a lot of experience on the Pirates, the Yankees. He is a good player. And I think the age factor sets in with him. He's, I believe, the oldest catcher. Yeah. If I'm not correct, I mean, he might be considering retirement as well, but he's the oldest catcher out of all the free agents that are listed here. Another one, Josh Fegley, who was a catcher for the A's last year. He did a lot of starting for them before his spot was taken over by Sean Murphy, who will probably get his job this next year. He's a solid, solid, solid catcher. 0.3 war. He's got some good numbers. Probably a solid backup catcher for a lot of uh, good teams out there. So some interesting names. Lucroy, Jonathan Lucroy, still available out there. He is a, he's got a lot of experience in the playoffs with the A's and the Brewers, and he is a solid catcher. He's got, uh, he's been known to have a great veteran presence. Same with Chris Iannetta, who's also 37, so he so he and Russell Martin both are the oldest catchers out there in free agency. Let's move on to first baseman. Mitch Moreland is unsigned. Th that is surprising. 34 years old, but he has got some power. Moreland has shown, I mean, as he did with the Red Sox last year, he can hit it out. He can. He's hit many past Pesky's pull. He's got something, something going there. So Mitch Moreland's still unsigned. Hard to believe. Another one, Logan Forth Logan Forsyth. Not the sexiest name, but he can still get it done. 33 years old, 0.2 war. He has got he's got some experience. You know, he spent many years with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, you know what? 33, once you get into like the, the early mid 30s, I mean some you start getting some questions, you know, oh well, he can he do this, can he do that? You know, he's a little older, he might be getting hurt. You know what? You never know with Forsyth. He's he has some good years on him. Matt Adams, unsigned. Adams is a hit-or-miss one. Like When he gets the bat on one, forget about it, but that's if he gets one on it. So we'll see. A few other ones. Yonder Alonso, he's had a few good years. Also, Lucas Duda and Steve Pierce. Pierce is one that provides more contact for a first baseman, but I, I could see a team taking a chance on him. Second baseman. Wow. Brian Dozier is still unsigned. Brian Dozier. I'm mispronouncing that. I know. Uh, my, my The clarity, I get it. 1.7 war. And yeah, his best year is probably behind him. But this guy has got, he's got a bat. And he's always been known to be a solid defender. He is a he's a good player. I'm I'm shocked that he hasn't been signed yet. And I'd be I would be I would be like I'm about 90% sure. I'm, I'm ready to say I'm 90% sure that he signs with the team by opening day. In fact, I'm actually, I would say 75% sure he signs with the team by the time 
position players report. A few other ones, Rock Holt. He's a super utility guy. He would fit in, I think, on almost any team. Because, I mean, he can play so many different positions. All over the infield, all over the outfield. I'm pretty sure he, he, if you ask him to catch, he would do it. Brad Miller, similar, but I would say maybe not as fast. Jason Kipnis has all those great years with the Indians. Ben Zobris is another utility player that, hey, you know what? He's solid. Scooter Jeanette, a few years back, he had that all-star season. You never know. You, you never know if, if it happens again. That's a low-risk, high-reward signing I can see a team taking. Let's move on to third baseman. And Donaldson just signed recently with the Minnesota Twins. Pablo Sandoval is a free agent. That's an interesting one. I mean, he had a decent year last year, but at the same time, uh, uh, you know, he he's on the wrong side of 30. He doesn't have a lot of speed. You're relying on his bat, which I'm, I'm not, so sure, not so sure about. So he may still have a few years left in him, though. Jun Ho Kong. I mean, remember, Jun Ho Kong, when he came into the league, I think it was like five or six years ago, he was supposed to be this huge prospect with the Pirates. You know, had all this power. He's going to be a great fielder. I mean, and it just hasn't worked out for him that well. I think a change of scenery will do well for him. And Martin Prado has always been a good contact hitter and a solid, solid infielder as well. Move on to shortstops. Addison Russell. You know what? There's some high upside with Addison Russell. You know, he had a great start to his career with the, uh, the Cubbies, but it hasn't really worked out for him in the last couple of seasons. So, a change of, like him, like, I mean, a change of scenery might do him well. Same with Tim Beckham. Tim Beckham, a huge prospect. Took him a while to get up in the system, and finally he got there. And it, you know, in Major League Baseball, he's, he's done okay. 0.4 war, 30 years old. So, a bit older, but you never know. I'd give it a shot. Let's start with, let's go into uh, outfielders. These are separated into left, center, and right fielders, but I'm fairly certain that you could, uh, I think we'll categorize all of them into just outfielders because they play several different positions anyway. Rashi Davis is 39 years old and is looking right now to be a free agent. It doesn't mention on here that these players are contemplating retirement, so if any of these players are actually retired, then, well, I'm sorry, you did great. Raji Davis is still insanely fast. Yeah, the bat isn't probably as good as when he hit that home run in the World Series like four years ago, but you never know. You never know. Carlos Gonzalez, 34, former All-Star, kind of has had a drop-off, but you know what? You never know. Some of these guys who have great careers have a few years out, you know, kind of just not hidden as well. You never know. One year they might just turn it on again. Curtis, Curtis Granderson could be another one of those players, like Gonzalez, that just suddenly, boom, oh, he's back. Look at that. Low risk, high reward. A few speedy players that, you know, they haven't been signed yet. Jared, Jared Dyson, Billy Hamilton. I'm kind of surprised they haven't uh, been signed yet. I mean, both are not great batters, but they're fine fielders, and they're very, very fast. I would find it hard to believe those kind of guys that, you know, can help you in September and October to steal some bases that they're not going to find a job when March rolls around. We'll see. Leonis Martin is another speedy guy with some experience in the playoffs. He's been around for a while. Jacoby Ellsbury, 
who did not play last year, as well as Austin Jackson. They are free agents at 33 and 36. They're a bit older. But you know what? Experience sometimes helps with a lot of these younger teams. And finally, a few more outfielders. I can't believe this. Yasiel Puig is still not signed. I get that he has a lot of hype around him and some, you know, he, he, yeah, he, he's a quote-unquote a hothead. He is still a very, very good player, though. Not great. Maybe not as good as when he was with the Dodgers, but if I'm, if I'm a team with a few injury-riddled players, I take a risk on Puig. We'll see. Finally, some DHs slash outfielder slash, you know, Hunter Pence is still not signed. You know, Pence is, I'm shocked that Pence is not signed. I get he's 37 years old, but he had a great year last, uh, last year in Texas. Everybody that he's played with says he's awesome. So unique. Only player I've ever seen to wear the socks over the knees. Ugh. Pretty cool, though. Hunter Pence is 37, but somebody's got to take a risk on him. Worst case scenario, he out he doesn't perform, but he's still a great clubhouse character. Now for like three million a year, who wouldn't want that? that that's to me someone I would uh, I would take a flyer on. Now starting pitchers, we're gonna mention only a few because there's a lot on here. Wow, Andrew Kashner, unsigned, and Jason Vargas. Vargas is 37. That might be the reason why. Kashner 33. Kashner had a lot of good years in San Diego. Are we expecting that kind of production out of him again? Probably not. But you never know. You do never know with these guys. A few more. Clay Buckholtz. Interesting name there. Pedro Avila. Only 23. A lot of names on here that are very, very interesting. Edwin Jackson. And you know what? If I'm a team that hasn't signed Edwin Jackson, I might as well just keep adding. I mean, he's been on like 20 teams now. I'm not even kidding when I say he's been on 20 teams. Edwin Jackson will not retire until he has been on every single Major League team. Mark my words. So you know what? If you have not signed Edwin Jackson, take a hint, MLB. Give him a contract. Even if it's for one day or three seconds, make sure he's on every team. We need to make it happen. He's two-thirds of the way there. We got 10 more. He's 36. He can pitch for, I don't know, how long did Cologne pitch? Until he was 44, something like that? He's got eight years, 10 teams. He can do it. Let's go. Come on. 10 more teams. Come on, get to it. Let's make sure he gets on 30 teams. I want to see this. I so badly want to see this. I would love to be on a podcast with him, by the way. You could literally ask him about every single team then. And he would have the answer because he played for every single one. My gosh. Matt Harvey, also a free agent. Uh, If he goes to the Yankees, I think that'd be the funniest thing ever. But we'll see. Now that I said that, he will. Relievers. Sam Dyson. Rangers will not want Sam Dyson back. I can assure you that. But he's an interesting name with the playoff experience. You never know. Colin McHugh is a starter-turned-reliever. That should uh, get some interest as well. Fra- Fernando Rodney. Te- teams keep taking risk uh, a risk on him because he, you never know with him. One pitch, oh my gosh, he looks like a, a, ma- like a madman. He's, he's striking guys out. And then another pitch, he, oh my, what are you? Why are you still in baseball? He's so incredibly inconsistent. But I got to give it to him. He's 43 and still pitching. There's something to be said about that. Consistency. Tony Sipp is a good left-hander. He's fallen off recently, but he's still got he's, he's still got a shot. And the last player I'll mention here, oh, man, there's so many. But David Phelps, all those years in New York with the Yankees, a little older now, but hey, you never know. You really do never know. Love music and baseball? Score the ultimate fan experience. So, there you go. 
You might have just heard a little ad on MLB.com there, and I do apologize for that. So very interesting there. Those are some of the best MLB free agents left. Now let's get into some rapid fire. All right, here we go. You asked the questions, and guess what? I'm going to answer them. But only one minute each, because you know what? we got to make it exciting. So I've got the timer here. You'll be able to hear it in the background. We've got seven questions, and we're going to answer each one in one minute or less. Three, two, one, and go. Number one, what are my thoughts on Zion's first two games? Zion Williamson, he came back on Wednesday night. Against the Spurs, he had 22 points, 3 assists, 7 rebounds. Last night, Friday night against Denver, he had 15 points, 6 rebounds, no assists, but one huge block. I think the block went into the third third uh, row of the, of the seats or something like that. Yeah, he's been impressive. I'll give it to him, and he's just coming off injury. This is just the beginning. I really thought, I was one of the guys who said, he's overhyped. He really is overhyped, but he is, you know what? He is really good. The Pelicans are a much, much better team with him on the floor. I mean, he's able. He can really do it all. He can hit the three. Uh, he can drive inside. He's got the size. I mean, there's a lot of potential there. They just need to keep him healthy. They got to be careful with his minutes because the, the Pelicans need to realize they're not going anywhere this year, and they can only make their situation worse by overworking a somewhat hobbled up Zion Williamson. But he's impressive. He's a lot of fun to watch, and I like where they're going with him. So, all right. Next, we are going to take a look at number two. Will Aaron Rodgers ever get to another Super Bowl? No, he will not, and here's why. Aaron Rodgers is, from what I saw on Sunday, he does not look like the same Aaron Rodgers of five years ago, even of three years ago, and especially of ten years ago. He might, and I hate to say this, I feel like there's a decline coming. It's not going to be a a, down, a downward slope. It's going to be a steady, steady fall, I feel like. I mean, he... Rodgers is now, I believe, 36, and he's not at all going to retire anytime soon. But I just feel like, you know, this was his last big chance. The the Packers, obviously, are going to be good next year, but I just, I don't know. There's so many other teams in the NFL that are, go- uh, that are looking for that NFC supremacy, or so many other teams in the NFC, I should say. And I don't think the Packers are going to be one of them. I think they're going to be a great team, but I, I, I really, I just don't see them sustaining that much success the way their defense played in the end. I, I don't know. I don't think Rodgers gets to another Super Bowl. I really I really don't. All right. Number three. Is Mike Fires wrong for being a whistleblower in the Astros scandal? Uh, no, he's not. He's not. You know what? I get that he was on the team, and I get that he probably partook in it and that teams knew about it before. But listen, when teams are... When you're doing that, it's not the sign stealing. It's the the way they did the sign stealing. I mean, if they just were stealing signs, maybe, okay. I mean, it ha- it's unwritten rules, whatever. But Mike Fires felt like he needed to clean the game somewhat. And he was on that team. And he's, you know what? I, the only thing I, I don't like that is that Mike Fires do- was dodging questions yesterday about his role in the cheating scandal, which probably means he was involved with it, which I'm not so sure about. I feel like you have to own it 100%. But I don't really, I'm not someone who says it's, a sh- it's terrible for baseball that he said this. No, he wanted justice to be served, and it's going to get served. He was on that team too. He's going to take heat for it too. I think what he did was right, and I think pundits who call that out, I-, I don't agree with him. All right, next one, number four. Was the discipline too light for players in the Kansas, Kansas State brawl in college basketball that happened a few nights ago, and it was a nasty one. 
now, Silvio de Souza, who was the player who infamously grabbed the bench and held it up like he was going to throw it at someone. Luckily, one of his assistant coaches stopped him. He got 12 games for that. And I think I think the suspensions besides that, there was a few indefinite suspensions. A few other players got a few games with their minor roles. That's okay. 12 games, though, for hoisting up. Uh, and, I mean, I mean, he was ready to throw it. He, I mean, if, if that assistant coach was three seconds late, he would have hit someone with it. 12 games is too light. I feel like you go up to 20. 20, I think, is it's just that, that you look at Miles Garrett. Yeah, he hit him with the helmet. I get it. If he just hold it, held it up, it probably wouldn't have been a full season. But it's similar to that. You're holding up an object that can do human harm. That's not your fist. That's to me, that's at least 20 games. 12, I think, is too light. So yeah, too light, too light for my watch. All right, number five. Why are Super Bowl tickets so high? Now, in case you haven't heard, the average ticket price for a Super Bowl ticket is $7,000. $7,000 is the average ticket price. Now, what's the cheapest, you're wondering? Just checked. $3,700 is the cheapest ticket. That gets you a nosebleed seat. Not to say that Hard Rock Stadium in Miami is not a great stadium, but a nosebleed seat for basically half of my college tuition my first year at San Francisco State. Are you kidding me? No. Why is it so much? I get it's a big game and I get ticket prices are expensive, but this is being priced out of even like even upper class, some upper class folks. Like who can afford a family of five to go to a game at an average ticket price? That's $35,000 for one day. We're not including airfare and we're not including a hotel. That's ridiculous. There needs to be some change. I get that it's expensive and there's a lot of pyrotechnics, but there's some money to be made and it doesn't all have to be with that ticket price. That's ridiculous and it's bad for the game. They've got to change that. All right, number six, should Astros players be punished for their role in the cheating scandal? Mm, this is an interesting one. I want to say yes, but the problem is if you punish certain players, then there's other ones that get off. Like that. That's the thing. The whole fairness, the whole fairness uh, ideas get into that. I, hmm, there needs to be a little more investigating to see if certain players had uh, more of a role in it than others. Like, if Beltron was involved a lot more than, say, Altuve, then Beltron should get a high, that should, should get an ex, uh, uh, a suspension. Now, he was obviously let go by the Mets, so that is a hint that he might have had a, a role in that. Uh, if, you know, something like that. It's really hard to judge, though, because there's going to be a lot of uh, naysaying and dodging questions. I, I think they should, but I'm really not 100% sure how they go by it. There needs to be more investigating. I think a better idea will be had in a few months. So we'll see about that. And last question, Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. Which upcoming free agent should the Tennessee Titans spend on? The answer here is Derrick Henry. I get that Ryan Tannehill had a career resurgence in Tennessee, and you can blame that on the fact that Adam Gase misused him in Miami. That is completely true, and I think that is right. He was not in a good situation down there. He got put on a pretty good one, surprisingly, uh, for the Titans, and he played really well, and there's a lot of promise there. He will get paid in free agency, whether it's by Tennessee or another team. But I mean, it just I fe- this feels like a Case Keenum scenario. Case Keenum had that great 2017 with the the Minnesota Vikings. Then he got signed away, I believe it was by Denver last year, and he d- he didn't look good. He got replaced, I think, halfway through the year because he did not look great. And this is a scenario where yeah, Tannehill could look good. But I think a safer bet is going with a guy who could be consistently the best running back in the league if he can just stay healthy, Derrick Henry. 
I think you go with him. You know what? I think you draft someone, you go with him, you stick with Mariota as the backup if you can, but if you can't, oh well. So that's rapid fire. Seven minutes, seven questions. Woo! Oh, man. Mouth is getting tired from all that. Ooh, a lot of quick talking. Last segment we're doing is going to be the top five most shocking retirements in NFL history. Now, in case you didn't hear, Luke Keekley, Luke Keekley, Luke Keekley retired the age, I believe, of 31, I want to say. Young retirement. Not super, super young, but still, considering his stance in the, as, as one of the best linebackers in the NFL, maybe in NFL history, I mean, that guy might be a future Hall of Famer right there. It, it was a huge hit to Panthers fans and in the front office, but there are more shocking retirements. We just saw a few earlier this year. But we're going to look at the top five most shocking retirements of all time in the NFL. Number five, Debrickashaw Ferguson. So, before the twenty, after the 2015 season, Debrickashaw Ferguson, who made three straight Pro Bowls for the New York Jets, including two straight where he went to the AFC Championship game with the Jets in 2009-2010. He abruptly called it quits. His declining ability was his main reason. And it's, you know what? Interesting stuff. Because, you know, the Jets were said to have the best offensive line in football in 2015. And he he called it quits. He felt like he couldn't he couldn't keep up. He's only 32. Number four, Calvin Johnson. I remember when I when I where I was when I heard Calvin Johnson retired. I was walking down the street, uh, in my hometown. I looked at my phone. Calvin Johnson retired. I'm like, wow. Because there was, I mean, it, insane. He was just a few years off of being, uh, you know, having that one huge almost 2,000 yard season, where he had 122 catches. That record since been broken by Michael Thomas. But the injuries are the reason why. A lot of these players, it's the injuries. And the lingering pain that he had through the final year of his career, 2016, he retired at 30 years old. But he will go down as one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game. And arguably the second greatest player, maybe even you could argue him and Barry Sanders are the greatest players in Detroit Lions history. Not a bad list to be on. Speaking of Sanders, he's number three. He retired at 31 years old back in 1997. He's only the third player all-time to rush over 2,000 yards in a season. He did that in 97. He actually retired in 99. So the team was never in contention really for a deep playoff run, much less a Super Bowl, which is quite unfortunate. What a waste of talent. He grew tired of chasing the NFL rushing record and losing the playoffs constantly. That's at least what pundits say is the reason why he retired. But you know what? I, I... I'll give him this. Though he did retire at 31, running backs, you know what? They they, they carry a huge workload. So when they retire in their early 30s and fans are surprised, they're not kickers. I mean, they're out there and they're they're, they're fighting hard. And, and to, like eight or nine years can feel like 15 years for other positions. So surprising retirement, yes, but bad decision, not at all. Number two, Jim Brown. The legendary Cleveland Brown, Jim Brown, probably the greatest Cleveland Brown ever to this point. Maybe the greatest running back of all time. If you call him a fullback, he's probably the greatest there. He retired at 29 years old in 1965. 
Despite never missing a game and coming off an NFL championship appearance, he retired to pursue other interests, like starring in movies and doing sports commentary. He made many appearances on the Dick Cavett show in the 70s. Interesting stuff. Check it out on YouTube. Boy, if he played into his mid-30s, can you imagine how many records he would have broken? He's a three-time NFL MVP. Only player to average 100 yards per game and over five yards per carry for his entire career. His entire career he averaged that. Insane stuff. But he's not number one. Number one just happened this year. I think you know who it is. At 29 years old, Andrew Luck. This shocked the living bejeebus out of everyone in the NFL, even in sports, people who don't watch the NFL that much. Oh, Andrew Luck, isn't he kind of young? It came out during a Colts preseason game that he retired, that he had wished to retire. And there is one reason why. Legendary, potential to be a legendary quarterback. He had the skills, everything, but he kept getting hurt. Mismanaged injuries throughout his career in Indianapolis, and he just he kept getting hurt. I mean, he missed nine games in 2015, missed the entire 2017 season, came back in 2018, looked really good, but he had a, a lingering injury to start the preseason, and he, he had enough. It hurt his love of the game, and it was very sad, and Colts fans initially reacted very harshly, but a lot have come out and been a lot warmer to him, and oh man, it was that was a shocker. I gotta say, that was a shocker, and really, it sent the Colts into an un, unknown medium, and Jacoby Brissett is not a bad quarterback by any means, but he was tasked with really a job that, I mean, who would have, who would have expected that? How are you supposed to... <laughs> How are you supposed to suddenly fill his shoes on two weeks' notice? I, I, that's tough stuff. So, I believe that's the end of our show, though. Man, time flies when you're having fun. I'll tell you what. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell all your friends. We're the Sports Report. or everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Yeah, we're even uh, up in the sky. Just kidding. We're not in the sky. Next Saturday, be sure to tune in because, oh, we got a special one. We're going to be talking with some guests over the phone and in the studio about the Super Bowl. Huge Super Bowl preview coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. So don't miss out next Saturday. And we'll talk to you later.